What's good? What's good? What's good, everybody? Wake up, rise and shine. Make sure y'all get your coffee, get your uh, mayo, whatever you, you drink coffee with. We got uh, Empire Sports in the morning. With your host, your boy, the lovely, the handsome coach now taking the building. And on side of me, got my guy, Gene Gene, Wild to Wild Sports Podcaster host. And you already know, got my brother, Mo Better. How y'all doing this morning, fellas? Morning, Coach Gene. What's poppin', Mo? How you feeling, Coach? I'm great. I'm moving, so I'm like packing stuff, and oh, wow. I had the opportunity to hop on here and talk some sports. It's like an excuse for me not to be packing. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we got some interesting topics to talk about, man. So we gonna go all through them. Uh, we got we got the Zion Williamson topic coming up. We got the. Uh, the uh, fight between uh, James Harden and Doc Rivers that happened during the season and that and that's going on right. That's going on pretty much right now. News just coming out, but uh, for right now, the first topic. Let's start with Gene up on this one. Who wins the Super Bowl first? Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Hurts, Herbert, Lamar Jackson. Who wins the Super Bowl first out of those guys? Out of those guys, I immediately, immediately eliminated Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson immediately. And to me, it comes down to, like, do I go up my heart or do I go up my head? My head tells me it's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, Joe Cool, has been a winner at every level, finds ways to win games constantly. He's got a winning record against Patrick Mahomes. But, like, my heart tells me the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts. That team as a whole is the best team in football. Player for player, position for position, the Philadelphia Eagles are the best team in football. Now, does that get overshadowed and overruled by great quarterback play? Yes. You've seen it in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs, were a better team that Super Bowl Sunday. But um, I'll go with Jalen Hurts, but I'm not arguing against Joe Burrow. So I'll go with Jalen Hurts with Joe Burrow being a close two. Nope. It, I think we're kind of like on the same page, except I've got Burrow on top. Um, I do think the Eagles are the best team when you go both sides of the ball, position by position. Uh, they're, the, I think they're the most talented team overall. And and, and, and they're not great just because of that, because Jalen Hurst himself is a talent. He's special, and he continues to get better as he evolves in his career. So if someone picks the Eagles, this is where I'm going with, my gut, I think it'll be Joe Burrow. But if you pick the Eagles and Jalen Hurts, that's not a bad pick at all because I think when it's all said and done, he he will bring a title to Philadelphia. But I, I just think that extra it thing, Joe Burrow can sometimes win despite the circumstances around him. I think he's unique like that. I, I, I think he can win a Super Bowl even when the rest of his team isn't up to his level. Man, uh, this this one is tough for me. Cause I'm on the other end. I'm looking at Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, them, and you know Devontae Smith, one of the top receiver duos who we're gonna talk about in the topic. Cause NFC, I'm going only gonna go by that because the NFC is not as strong. And I think the Eagles have a have a. I think the Eagles gonna get back. I really do think the Eagles gonna get back to the Super Bowl. But Joe Burrow, just give you own testament how really good Joe Burrow is actually. But 
all of us. He does. He has the winning record versus Patrick Mahomes, so he could get past Patrick Mahomes. Could get past Patrick Mahomes, but I think the AFC is very strong too. I, I think it's some potential teams that also I think that can knock them off. So I'm gonna have to take the Eagles, man. I think they're gonna get back. I really actually think they're gonna get back to the uh, Super Bowl, and I, I won't think it will. I don't think it'll be a long time before you see them back. You could see them back this year. Just how not not as outside of. The Eagles, you have the 49ers, you may have the Seahawks, you may have the Seahawks in that discussion discussion. It's just not much in the NFC. You're not you're not really sold. You're not really sold on, you know, Minnesota. Not really sold on Minnesota. They could be a playoff team, but again, they they will not they can't they can't they won't be any further than that. So Jalen Hurts, I think he will get a Super Bowl before any of these quarterbacks. And not not just because not it not his talent. His talent is awesome. His talent is great. Uh, he's really good, man. He's had that mindset since high school. He's had that mindset since high school, that winning mentality since high school. He had he handled everything professional in college. In college, he did. Comes to the NFL to do what he does to make the Eagles better. Uh, he, I'm not gonna say the receiving core made him better. I just think Jalen Hurts is that good. I think the Eagles gets to the Super Bowl, and I think they uh borderline get to it this year just because the NFC isn't just really that great. But I think his talent is really good, and I think he's got that in factor. So even if he didn't have A.J. Brown, I think he he's that really that good. I think Jalen Hurst has really turned out that good, and he's got that type of winning mentality that you want on, on that football team or any football team you put him on, he's got the winning mentality. So, Coach, one thing I wanted to add, and I, I just – there's two statements yeah. I want to completely make. One, I think out of the four quarterbacks – the one that won't win a Super Bowl ever in his career is Josh Allen. Yeah. I think they digress. I think they're going to get worse and worse. I think Brian Dable was really the architect, and they need to really find someone that can that can get Josh Allen reeled in. It's funny, right? One of the biggest comparisons for Josh Allen was Carson Wentz. One of the biggest comparisons to Carson Wentz was Josh Allen. When they had – when before Carson Wentz got hurt, before he had that injury, he was an MVP. Like he wanted to make plays through athleticism. He tried fitting balls in spots that shouldn't shouldn't be fit. He tried relying on pure athleticism. And when Frank Wright left and the injury happened, you seen him digress and digress and digress. He got worse. I'm not saying you're going to see as big of a drop-off from Josh Allen as you've seen from Carson Wentz, but there's a lot of similarities there. The second thing I wanted to talk about was when you talk about Jalen Hurts, right? He reminds me of something that I, I'm an area sales manager for uh, Verizon Retailer. I do interviews constantly. One of the questions in the interview we ask is, what are you best at? Like, what's the thing that you're best at? Because then we follow up what you're worst at. And one of the best interview questions, I, answers I've ever heard was, I'm the best at getting better. And when I look at Jalen Hurts, I look at him as the best at getting better. Like, is he have the best arm in the league? No. Does he have the best accuracy in the league? No. I, I mean, is he the best on his legs? No, it's probably Lamar Jackson, right? But what, what Jalen Hurts has done year in and year out, and you go back to – the time he got benched at Alabama for Tua is he's gotten better year in and year out from that year with Alabama to Oklahoma to his rookie year to his sophomore year 
to his third year, Jalen Hurts is the best at getting better. And I think that uh, that's a great quality and attribute to have in a franchise quarterback. Yep. I also think uh, when when you go back to Josh Allen, when you go back to uh, Josh Allen, but I also think because, yeah, I've seen him throw some balls in some situations you don't supposed to put it in. Like I watched, literally watched the Jets game when he threw two interceptions that he wasn't supposed to throw in it. You're like, God damn, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? But you also watched the Minnesota Vikings game in that overtime. He threw the ball straight to uh, Patrick Peterson, threw it right to him. Patrick Peterson was right there, and you like, he throws some head scratches, but also I think he's a pen epitome because the Bills doesn't run the ball. They don't even run the ball. They rely a lot on Josh Allen. That put Josh Allen in a lot of risk to even to throw the to throw the football away. But that is no excuse. You're the quarterback. You're on the goddamn field. You can see. You you can see with your own eyes. You can see. You're very good at that. They also really, really good. bad decisions. Yes, Nick, really? he's a bad decision maker. He is. And 18 to 10 in that Jets game that you're talking about. It was 18 yeah. to 10. It was three yes. minutes left. Yes. yes. It's in the red zone. All you have to do is kick a field goal and the game's over. Yep. And you throw an interception. It's a terrible one. That that is a great that you brought that yep. up. That is a great example of how he makes really bad decisions. Yep. He's been doing it all season. This ain't just, you know, a common thing. It's something nothing. That's something not that's something I would not, you know, put on the coaching staff of hit your decision making on the field. Yes, yes, the coaches hamper him a little bit because he has to do so much. And that's a lot of shit that he has to go through without them people running the ball. Cause you got an eight, you had an 800 yard running back that showed you he can run over a thousand yards when he gets carries. But at the same time, they put so much on Josh Allen stretch on Josh Allen. He, he's a chance taker. That's what he is. But at the same time, not going to condone you throwing the ball in situations and putting the team in situations. They don't supposed to be in as good as Josh Allen is. Josh Allen is good. Is Probably it's too. He got too much talent for that. And you, at the same time, I just put it, go ahead. Do you put any credence on the defensive-minded head coaches in the NFL? Like that, they're so like a lot of people. And you know, Colin Coward said this on a show, and I, I think a lot of people have started to adapt that mentality. The defensive-minded head coaches in the league are almost like they're ancient. So you got to think about it, right? You got Mike Tomlin with Kenny Pickett. Their offense has been very sluggish. Bill Belichick with Mac Jones since Tom Brady's left. Sean McDermott. Uh, a lot of the – most of the top teams in the football, like think of it this way. Who's the last five Super Bowl winning teams? So you have – you know, last year you had the Kansas City Chiefs with – You had the Rams. Reed. You had the Rams with Sean McVay. Yep. You had the Buccaneers with uh, – you know, not with – Todd Bowles with uh, Bruce Arians. Yeah, Bruce Arians. Yeah. So like, again. It's a it's a trend yep. Yep. of offensive-minded head coaches. Even Zach Taylor that got there, offensive-minded yep. head coach. Gotcha, gotcha. Mo, you have anything to touch on on this one? We play uh, on. I, th I think we all summed it up. He, he is a talent. He can be special at times, but he's also that guy that has a habit of throwing the bad pick when you least need – I mean, he's just got a knack for pressing when it's not necessary. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So the next topic is, is very interesting, man. So we got the top five receiving duos, receiving cores, receiving cores. Uh, Gene, I'm, I'm going to start this topic off with you again. So if you're taking the quarterback out of the duo, the best duo in the NFL is Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I, I truly believe that. Like if they had a Patrick Mahomes 
but they had a top, in my opinion, a top tier quarterback. I think that they would be far and away the best duo in, in the NFL. So second is really close. I think it's, it's very tough for me to kind of break this down, but I'll go, I'll go Jamar Chase T Higgins to Jamar Chase is a absolute freak of nature. I think that, uh, I think T Higgins is the, slows them down a little bit, but uh, I'll go Jamar Chase T Higgins. Then I'm going to go with my guy, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Give me the slim reaper and AJ Brown. Devontae Smith made some incredible catches last year. I mean, that guy was all over the football field. He's got amazing feet. His ability to toe tap and drag. I mean, He's got lightning quick feet. I I think his hands are incredible too. Like, so you run into some of the the hands, right? Like you run into those tightly contested passes on the sideline that yeah. seem to just stick on his hands. He, so I think that he would be right there. After that, it gets really interesting. And I'm gonna bring up a yeah. duo that no one is going to have in their top five, probably. I don't think they will. And I think it's Jay Jettas and Jay Jettas Light. And what I mean by that is that the Minnesota Vikings drafted a wide receiver who I think is the best wide receiver coming out of college football. Yeah, I I agree with that. I I thought he was too. I thought he was too. And I think that he got a a little bit – this is just my my personal opinion. Um, I think he got a little bit discredited because he walked into a situation in – in USC where he didn't have the connection with Caleb Williams, but that's Jordan Addison. I think Jordan Addison is Jay Jetta's light. So I will go them four. And then the last one, just out of pure talent and pure talent alone, I'll go DK Metcalf, uh, Tyler Lockett. That'll be my fit. I don't like them as a combo. I think they're a very poor combo, but their talent is off the charts. Tyler Lockett catches anything in his vicinity and DK Metcalf is an absolute freak of nature. Yep. Well, I got the I got the same list as you, but except one wild card duo that I think that that can, that's going to be really really good. Um, I got oh, first of all, you do got I got the Miami Dolphins, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Uh, Tyreek Hill, seventeen hundred yards last year, just insane, just insane. You got T Higgins and uh T T Higgins in the Cincinnati Bengals, Jamar Chase. Remember, a lot of people criticized the man from dropping the ball all preseason. Would he come into the season and do all of a sudden that kind of that kind of change? That changed a lot of uh, things. And also, uh, you have uh, you have uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. But it's easy, like Devontae Smith, for him to be so small. Like pause on this one. This dude is kind of flexible on the sideline when he catches the ball. When he catches the ball, he tweaks his body to even put the two feet down. How he just tweaks his body, put his body in a great position. And a lot of people question: Will he be able to take a hit? He took a thought. He took. I seen him took a bunch load of hits after catching the ball. So he can't. He's shown some durability at that point. And the same as Minnesota Vikings, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson, I got Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison, who I thought was the best wide receiver in the draft coming into the draft, really high on him, and one wild card uh, duo, Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. I love that y'all put that. Terry I know it's funny. Hey, Terry McLaurin, do not get it. He is slept on. I'm going to tell you this. 
because of the bad quarterback play Washington's been had. For that guy to have that bad of a quarterback play and still get over 1,200 yards a season, and Jahan Dotson, this guy gets separation at any time he gets ready to. Yes, he had some injuries last year, though. He did go through some injuries, but that guy can play, man. That guy is really good, and I think they're going to be something scary to guard once that quarterback situation get up, get up, get up underneath them. So that's really my that's my top five uh, receiving course. Now, Mo, it's time to get to yours. What's all right? I did factor in the quarterbacks, and I didn't just go with the duos. I went with the core, your tight end. So I've got a number one. I've got the Bengals. I've got when you've got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd had over 700 receiving yards. Um, even Joe Mixon is part of that pass game. He had over 400 receiving yards. And you look at T. Higgins alongside Jamar Chase, he's almost a number one himself. Like, I, I really think both of those guys can beat singles coverage with ease, but I just think Jamar Chase has more in his bag. His route tree, I think, is a lot longer, a lot deeper. Uh, number two, I've got the Eagles. I, I, I've got the Eagles, and, and they can easily be number one, but I think right now, when, when you look at what Brown and Smith can do, and I actually think this season, I expect Smith to have not just a, a, a Pro Bowl season, but I think Smith is going to be probably top three in terms of yards and receiving this coming season, Smith is going to be a breakout star. He's already a star, but he's going to be a breakout star and be considered an elite receiver. I think, I think he's Smitty's bad. better than Higgins. I yeah. swear to you. Yeah, no, really no doubt. No, no argument there. Um, number three, I've got the Miami Dolphins. When you've got those two guys that are that explosive, guys that can turn a 10-yard slant into the 80-yard touchdown pass, you've got to have them on there. Um, number four for me, Seattle. I think now again, this is factoring in the quarterback, but even with the quarterback, let's say Geno can somewhat duplicate what he did. That's an explosive receiving core with Metcalf, with Lockett, not to mention the young man from Ohio State. I don't want to say his name because I'll rip up that last name. Um, I think he's going to be Jackson Smith. Yeah, productive for them as well. And number five, my San Francisco 49ers. Now, Nobody on there is an elite wide receiver, but they're all playmakers. When you look at Brandon Ayuk, don't do that, man. Don't do that. That's a top five receiving core. When you got Ayuk, when you got Debo, George Kittle, George Kittle is a, is a tight end that can stretch you vertically. He can also play over the middle. Um, and look, I know Debo Samuels is not a great route runner, and he's not. I don't consider Debo a top wide receiver. He's a top playmaker. He's not the kind of guy that's going to get you 1,300 yards consistently. The offense isn't even built like that. The offense is built to spread the ball around to multiple players. So, no, no one's going to put up eye-popping numbers. But when you look at the end of the season, the Niners will be one of the top five offenses, and it'll be because of this receiving core. Not to mention Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is a big part of that run game. Trust me It'll be because of Kyle Shanahan, damn it. Shanahan's a brilliant dude, but because brilliant. of Shanahan, because of Shanahan, it's a top five offense. Yo, do me a favor, coach. Throw up top as com- top five. He said who? Topper. He had Hill. He had very similar top five as you. Oh, well, that's uh oh yeah, that's uh my boy Burn. All right, so I just want to pull this up real quick. He has McLaren and Dawson four. Let me tell you how much I wanted to do that. But first of all, I don't know if you you've seen any of my draft coverage last year. I had Jahan Dotson rated ahead of Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And I'm not saying that I'm wrong. I'm not saying I'm right. 
I'm saying you will find out if Jahan Dotson ever finds a wider uh, quarterback. This man has been plagued with some of the worst quarterback play I've ever seen in my entire life. He went from Sean Clifford to Carson yeah, Wentz. Clifford, that's nice. Like, come yeah. on, bro. It's you watch the catches this kid makes. Yeah. He's special. Yeah, Sean Clifford, that's nasty, yeah. I really believe that Jahan Dotson can break out with the right quarterback. I don't yeah. think Sam Howell's that guy. I don't. Um, and it, it's funny because you said take the quarterbacks out of it. I said I, I was going to do that. But I really didn't because I probably would rather have that duo than DK and Tyler Lockett. I really, I really would. I think McLaren is is unbelievable, and I, I think Jahan Dawson's one of the best up and coming wide receivers in football. He's on my small list of just guys I love: Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Jahan Dawson. They're 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 my. I love them. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm a big fan of Jahan Dotson, but I'm also I'm also a big fan of Terry McLaurin because of the quarterback play. It's been so bad in in, in the Washington football team. The quarterback been so bad. Taylor Heineke, Sam Howell, Carson Wentz. It's been some bad quarterback play over now, and he's still been able to produce uh, 1,200 yards, 1,300 yards. And Jahan Dotson, that dude is something special, dude. That dude is he made some incredible plays last year too. Even though the hamstring injury kind of hampered him last year a little bit, but no doubt the man had a solid season and showed some glimpses of what he could become, what he becomes. So that's why I had them, I had them uh, on. I had to put them on that man. I had to put, they had to be noticed up on that soon. So other than that, uh, we move on to the next uh, topic right here. Uh, so uh, Jay Jay Jones uh, put Mike Williams, Chris Godwin, He's Mike Evans, Mike. Uh, I, he said Mike Williams. I know, but like, there's no well, way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's not a combo. I mean, I think he means Mike Evans. If he meant Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, they're off my list because Keenan Allen's I think is getting a little long in the tooth, and Mike Williams disappears a ton. And Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, I just can't with Baker Mayfield throwing in the football. I just don't know what I'm getting. Yeah. So now we're gonna go to this. So I, it's a topic that I kind of I, I I knew I was gonna bring up. So the Wizards are now going to express in Bradley Bill. They're gonna express express a trade coming on this uh, coming season. It's been clear. The Wizards already came out and said they're gonna blow it up, and rightfully so. They should blow it up. They should blow it up. But Bradley Beal, he has a no trade clause. When you have a no trade clause, you should know what that means. He has leverage to go to any team, any team that he wants to go to. He has to, he had a lot of players write the list down of what teams do they want to go to, do they want to go to. So whatever I'm assuming they're gonna be contending teams, playoff contending teams that he wants to go to. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna with the question to you guys. What teams that Bradley Bill should consider? Having on this list of going to Mo, I'm gonna go with you first. Um, right off the block, I would go to the Celtics. He's got a strong relationship with Jason Tatum. The Celtics have a tradable asset that the Wizards would covet in Jalen Brown. Uh, that combination. Look, I, I'm still one of those people that I understand the argument that you don't trade away young, talented two-way wings. I understand that, but Bradley Bill's not ancient. He's not like in his mid-30s. And I think if you get a Bradley Bill with his, his ability to not just play the two, but he's more of a combo. He can also bring the ball up. He can create for others. He can catch and shoot. You can run him off of actions. Um, it would be an interesting combination. And maybe that combination, 
that might be the combination that could put the Celtics over the top. It's, it's not guaranteed because every season is a new season. I expect Philly to be better. They'll be different. They'll be better. But if I'm looking at a destination that makes sense, just on a trade, never mind the basketball of it, I, I really do think the Celtics, because of what they have to give in return, would be a good fit. Um, some would say Miami. But there's so many people tied up, connected to Miami. If it's not Bradley Bill, then it's Dame Lillard. So everybody can't be everywhere. I'm going to say the number one place he probably is interested in playing is in Boston. Okay. Um, I think Bradley Beal has a few options on the table. And I think that – I see, I've been playing this, this uh, domino game, this chess game of where people are going to end up. There's a lot of things that I think personally that are conflicting with a lot of reports in the NBA. I think Jalen Brown doesn't want to be in Boston. I really believe I that. I believe he's going to without the max. I don't think yeah. he's going to either. I think he's going to get the max. But I don't think you have to trade anything to get Bradley Beal. And I, I want to give Bradley Beal a shout-out. Shout-out to Bradley Beal, smartest businessman in the NBA. He got that super max contract he wanted from the Wizards. Mm-hmm. And one year in, he got to leave. So the, the question last year was when he signed the contract was, should he leave and want to win or should he sign, sign and get the money? All you had to do is wait one year. He got the money, and he's going to get the win. I got three teams that I'm going to put on my short list for Bradley Beal. And one of them is a real wild card that – I think that will emerge and I think you'll, you'll really see the, the fit. I think it will fit real well. Number one, Boston. I think Jalen Brown leaves. I think they, they get a true two guard in Boston with Bradley Beal. I think that makes perfect sense. I think Jalen Brown leaves. I don't think Boston's got to trade anything. I think you could give them Peyton Pritchard and a bag of Doritos and the Washington wizards would be fine with that. Getting rid of the contract. You don't really have to give anything up to take over that super contract. Second is the Miami Heat, but Miami Heat to me are a fallback option because I really truly believe that Dame Lillard ends up in Miami, but I won't get into that right now. The third team that not a lot of people are talking about are the Milwaukee Bucks. I think Milwaukee's a perfect fit for Bradley Beal. Giannis drives the lane, kick out, a score, a two-guard. They've struggled at the two-guard position. They're starting Grayson Allen. They're starting... uh, Anybody under the sun. I don't think Chris Middleton is a guy that needs to be there forever. He's their three. They've struggled at that two-guard position. They had Dante DiVincenzo two years ago. I think that that position, Bradley Beal, fits perfectly. A team I don't want to see him go to, but you should look out for, is Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid loves him. I don't know if you remember this quote, but right before the Sixers landed, James Harden, they asked Joel Embiid of who he would like to play with, and he said, I think we should get Bradley Beal in here. They have a connection. They like each other. They're friends. So um, if James Harden signs with Houston, look for the 76ers to be a potential spot for Bradley Beal. And you don't want Bradley Beal on the Sixers? I'm not against it. I'm just not for two guards in Maxie and Beal that aren't really great defenders that don't have a lot of height. I think that creates a lot of mismatches and you all often just have to outscore teams. So I think that there's better fits for the 76ers than Bradley Beal. Yeah. So uh, the three teams, I would love to see him on. I think, I think uh, Milwaukee, that's a great pick. I think that's a hell of a pick. 
Uh, and also Middleton is a free agent too. Middleton is a free agent. So Bradley Beal coming right in now. I think you get a better player than Chris Middleton. You get a better player than Chris Middleton is. Uh, better overall, better score. Someone who's healthy, who's healthy, who's not hurt all the time. He can instantly come in and help Giannis out. And also, Brooke Lopez is a free agent too, so they gotta uh, think about trying to resign him. So they got some, uh, they got some free agents on their hand. But I do think Bradley Beal give them a good option. But I say Miami. I think Miami need an extra player. They need an extra score outside of Jimmy Butler. Uh, Bam Adebayo as a second option, it's not gonna get it done. He can be a third option at best. Bradley Beal comes in, he's a, he can be a third option. And I'm also not satisfied with Miami point guard play. Now, I'm not saying Bradley Beal is, not a, is a point guard because he's not a point guard. He's more of a two. He's more of a two than anything. I do think they got trouble at that point guard play. They need a consistent ball handling because Gabe Benson is a shooter. He's more of a shooter. He's not a point guard. He's not a point guard. Kyle Lowry, his role is a bench. His role coming off the bench. His role is just coming off the bench. I think he knows his role at this point. And the Boston Celtics. Jalen Brown, I think he wants to be the guy somewhere else. Bradley Beal be the per, per, perfect replacement for uh, Jason Tatum. So other than that, we all have some uh, good good uh, choices for Bradley Beal. But Bradley Beal, this is a no trade clause. Bradley Beal, you know, chooses where he wants to go. And the uh, basically, the Wizards got to negotiate any any team that he got on this list. They're gonna tr- try to negotiate the best deal that uh, they can get for him out of either one of those teams. He has the leverage to where he to where he wants to end up at. So. Again, that's a good thing about a no trade clause, people. That's a good thing about a no trade clause. You got the leverage on where you want, where you want to end up at. So, other than that, so we got the uh, going on to the uh, next topic right here. Going on to the uh, next topic, uh, pretty much. So we have, uh, we do have. Is this is Kirk Cousins' last season in Minnesota? If the Minnesota Vikings don't get it done, which is, I don't think they would get it done at all, but I do think they make the playoffs though. So, Mo. Start with you. Is this his last season with Minnesota? Um, look, if they make the playoffs again and come up short. Um, it's hard to find quarterbacks. Uh, never mind great quarterbacks, good quarterbacks. I, I don't love Kirk Cousins. My guess, my guess is, unless he has a terrible season, if he has a normal season and is as productive as he has been over the last few years. I think Kirk Cousins will be back at quarterback unless the Vikings can pull off a trade that I don't foresee. You just can't cough up a quarterback. If you just give up a quarterback, the, the way this league is built, you may very well turn around and have Baker Mayfield as your starting quarterback or someone worse. So while I'm not in love with Kirk Cousins, until there's a better, more viable option, I think he's going to still be their quarterback going forward. Freddie, you can't have, have everybody on the damn Lakers, man. You can't have everybody, man. Bro, that's all Freddie says. <laughs> You're going to the Lakers. <laughs> hey, you know Gene tired of hearing about that crap, man. Get <laughs> for one minute. Gene, go ahead. <laughs> the answer is yes. I compared the Minnesota Vikings to the Philadelphia 76ers right before they started the process. Y'all remember Andre Iguodala being the lead player and Elton Brand? And- yeah, yeah, yeah. They were stuck in a, a way of yep. purgatory. I think the Minnesota Vikings are that 76ers team of the NFL. They are <laughs> they're never going to get past the second round of playoffs. They don't have the quarterback to do it. They don't have the best player on the roster to do it. I think that Kirk Cousins needs to, to leave. I think they need to rebuild. And they need to rebuild around their two marquee wide receivers, 
You go out there and you grab your – listen, any free agent quarterback would be a fool not to want to go to Minnesota. They yeah. have the biggest drawing point ever. you got Jettas, and you have a rookie wide receiver in Jordan Addison who is, in my opinion, Jettas light. So you'd be a fool not to want to go there. Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. Kirk Cousins last season in Minnesota – I think Minnesota sees the writing on the wall now. I think they already tried to replace him this offseason. They just couldn't get it done. Definitely, 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 definitely. So uh, now we are uh, going to move on to the Zion Williamson part. Oh. Zion Williamson. <laughs> Zion Williamson, part of these. And uh, will it be a big mistake to a uh, big mistake uh, to tra- for trading Zion Williamson? Uh, the Pelicans uh, reported they're trying to move up. Uh, to get rid of Zion Williamson for him to go to Charlotte. I don't know how true that report is, but if I mean Brian Whithorse kind of reported it, then I, I can believe Brian Whithorse up on that because he's a true source. So other than that, Gene, give me your uh, speculations, your thought on it. Did you hear the New Orleans release on this? Like what they said, like <laughs> the, the New Orleans Pelicans are open to trading Zion yeah, Williamson. Yeah. The right yeah. package comes. No shit. Are you serious? It's like saying that Suns are open to trading DeAndre Ayton. Right. Like, you don't want him. This guy has played, he's been in the league for four years. He's played three seasons and just a shade over one full NBA season. He's like sitting around 106 games and four years in the NBA. And he conned him into giving him a max deal last year. Like, come on. Yo, if I'm the New Orleans Pelicans, I am trading him as fast as I could possibly trade him. Oh, oh yeah, you want to pair him with Dame Lillard over in Portland? No problem. We'll take the third overall pick, and we'll rebuild with Brandon Miller. Like, no problem. We'll do that. That's fine. Or Scoot Henderson. We're good with that. New Orleans needs to run away from this contract. I wouldn't even trade the third pick for him. I don't think he's worth much. I posed this question last night on my show. I said, who would you rather have for the next five years, Zion or Ben Simmons? And that's the that is the the realm he's entered. He said last year before the playoffs that he is physically fine. He's just not. He doesn't feel like Zion yet. That team was in the playoffs or in the play-in. Are you serious? He said, "I don't. I, I just." I gotta wait till I feel like Zion. You're in the damn playing game. <laughs> you gotta wait to feel like Zion. Come on, man. Hey, so you know the the day he, I, you know, it's funny. After he definitely said that, you know what he was doing the very next time on a video, he was doing a 360 windmill. The very next yeah, time. yeah. After a said that, right, so. he played it. I'm fine. I, just, <laughs> I feel like Zion. <laughs> out of your mind? I would, if I was a fan of the Pelicans, I would be flowing from it. Like, I feel like Zion. Are you, you crazy? No, <laughs> Coach, you, you, you D wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. Yudoka wouldn't do that. Um, I don't got no faith that would that would that would happen. I don't, I don't got no faith that would happen. So. Uh, so, like I said, <laughs> nice rant that G got on. Uh, go ahead, uh, go ahead, uh, Mo. Oh, I'd think? move off him with the quickness. Look, yeah. um, the guy's missed over two hundred games since he's been in the league. Um, mm-hmm. He's not—he's not interested in competing. He's got other things on his mind, clearly. And when you've got Trey Murphy, 
um, Herb Jones. You still got B.I. They've got talent there. If you can move him and get a pick like Gene said, if you can get that pick, you're good. They're, I think they're already a playoff contending team. But if you add another piece to the guys I said, and look, I think Trey Murphy is going to take a big leap this coming season. I think he's going to be around 20 points a game this coming season. Um, CJ can still uh, provide you veteran leadership. CJ can still get buckets. He's not really a pure point guard. But look, you go out and get Scoot Henderson, and suddenly that's a different team right there. And you still got Alvarado coming off the bench. You don't need Zion. All the successes that this team has had over the last couple of years has nothing to do with him. He's been no part of that. He's called the franchise player, but he's not even part of the franchise. He don't like so, basketball. Right, right. No, he, he, he he's clearly too too busy in his personal life, and I'm not gonna go go all the way. Oh, there. you can OnlyFans. That girl, that girl was going off on Twitter. He deserves everything he can get. He taking photo shoots with his baby mama. Yeah, his side chick is going nuts. You were gonna move me out to New Orleans. Uh, the <laughs> stuff that she yeah. is saying, she is banging on this dude. Damn, that's crazy. That's crazy. I, um, you see this thing big yeah, oh, I, oh, I'm on Twitter all the time. I'm on Twitter all the time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I, you know, I paid a, paid attention to that. But she got out. She went all in on him, man. She went all crazy. On. Blowing up his spot. No, and, and, and there's no shock that the, the New Orleans yeah. we're open to trading him after that came out. <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> Get the right. distraction up out of New Orleans. Get the distraction far away from New Orleans, man. Yeah, she she definitely went all in. He he fell out of shape. He fell out of shape and all that because fell out of shape and all that because of that because of that she motivated him to get in shape. Golly, that's crazy. Yeah. You can't get yourself in shape. Can't motivate yourself. Someone like that gotta get gotta motivate you. Golly, that's crazy. You she she put the whole nine yards on them on that part. So other than that, you know, move on. Uh, we talking about the the James Harden, the James Harden and Doc Rivers saga at this point right now. You both have big opinions on this. Uh, and uh, Doc Rivers even expressed it on the Bill Simmons show. He even came out and expressed it was what was going on. But uh, Gene, uh, what role does James Harden play in the firing of Doc Rivers? I mean, I think I think you said it right away, and I agreed with you yep. right away. I think that. At the end of the day, James Harden had a huge – he walked right in the office, Daryl Morey, right after the season and said, I don't want him here. I, I would, yeah. There's no chance i come back if he's here. Now, let me be clear when I say this. I don't want either one of them here. Like, I want a Doc fired and I want a James gone. Like, I don't want either one of them. But, yeah, he had a huge role in that. Daryl Morey respects everything James Harden says out of his mouth. And I, I listened to Doc Rivers on that podcast, and mm -hmm. I don't think what he said was incorrect. No, no. It was, I think Doc Rivers said that James Harden plays a brand of basketball that is easy to defend yep. in the playoffs. It's not great for a half-court offense. He said he felt like James Harden was the best player. Well, they were the best team in the NBA, and James Harden was playing the best version of point guard in the beginning of the season. And then he felt like the ball started getting stuck in his hand, and he started going back to old James Harden, ISO, and I don't think that's a winning formula in the NBA. And that's what Doc said. And I agree with Doc. Doc is – he's not an idiot, right? Like, he's not a, a dumb person. Doc knows basketball. Yeah. I don't think he's great in making adjustments or calling the right timeouts down the stretch. But I do think that, that Doc knows basketball. And I think that James Harden is a bad fit for the 76ers. 
And I think he was a huge part in getting him fired. And I said that immediately and I agreed with you. But I also don't want James Harden back. I don't. So, like, I don't think the 76ers are making the right move by bringing in Nick Nurse if they're going to bring James Harden back. It's a different brand of basketball. Nick Nurse is an immediate headache. Go ahead, Mo. We all know, I think everybody, if you don't know what James Harden means to Daryl Morey, they're basically like family. Like, Daryl Morey will ride with James Harden till the wheels fall off. If James Harden is not with the Sixers next year, it won't be because Daryl Morey didn't do everything in his power to keep him in a Sixer uniform. That's how tight they are. I have no doubt that maybe immediately after losing to the Celtics, James sprints up, goes and talks to Daryl Moore and says, I can't play with this dude. I, I can't. I, he, he won't let me be. Like you said about Zion, he won't let me be James or something to that effect. Doc Rivers was right in this one sense. When James Harden was playing point guard and actually being a lead guard first and facilitating, the 76ers were the best version of themselves. When he took a step back, and he let Maxi be the second option, sometimes Harris be the third option, they were at their very best. James Harden actually has great court vision. He's actually a terrific passer. He, he, he's not all NBA James Harden no more, but if he just committed and embraced the role of point guard, he's a top five point guard as a point guard. The problem is he still wants to play Rockets James Harden far too often. And I don't think it's never been a winning formula. It's never going to be a winning formula. If you want to know the difference between James Harden and Steve Nash in that offense, Steve Nash didn't win a title. But the way Steve Nash played, he thought pass first. He thought getting other guys involved first. James thinks about James. James worries about numbers. He really he worries about numbers more than he worries about winning. So I, I, I disagree with Daryl Morey's thinking. he got to keep James Harden. If they got nothing back in return for James Harden, if he just walked, I think the Sixers would be better by default. Gotcha, gotcha. I said that, that combination is pretty dangerous. That combination right there is a pretty dangerous combination. And also, uh, after game seven, when the meeting happened, it was between which it was between Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey and James Harden. Joel B wasn't even part of the meeting. He wasn't even – there expressed yeah probably yeah, got got him pissed off pissed him off a little bit after the game seven loss but he wasn't present in the he wasn't present at all at in the meeting at all so other than that um coach can you throw up jay jones's comments about Doc? i, got you. Right? I just want to address I got that you. Got you. go ahead go ahead i got you um Doc, it's a bad rap. Most of his star players on his team, he coached on outside the 08 Celtics team, shit the bet, and Bede, Harden, CP3, Blake Griffin, et cetera. I completely disagree with you. I do not think Doc gets a bad rap. I think that 08, if you remember, and this is, I think a lot of people forget this. He was on the verge of being fired from Boston before that 08 team. He never got it done in Miami. There's a couple teams that overachieved. He never got done in Miami. He went to the Celtics, and he was on the verge of being fired. And then they got the big three, and they were the most talented team in the NBA. He, I think he gets jobs and gets credit because he had so much talent on his teams. I do not think he gets a bad rep. I think it's the exact opposite of that. What about the Clippers team that blew the 3-1 lead to Denver in the bubble? 
Do y'all remember what Denver was doing? They were running mm-hmm. the same play the entire game, and Doc had no answer for it. His answer for it was to put Kawhi Leonard on Nicole Jokic. That was his answer. I remembered it. I remembered it. And I, I was like, was I'm crazy. watching that. I'm like, I cannot believe you have no answer for this pick and roll. None. Doc Rivers as a whole is a terrible in-game adjustment head coach. I think he knows the game of basketball, but I do not think he is gets a bad rep. I think Doc Rivers is very, very overrated. He's probably the most overrated coach in professional basketball history. Three, 100%. I mean, you can't forget. You can't forget about the blown lead against my Rockets. Can't forget about yeah, seven, seven times. Yeah, blowing a three-one or three-two lead, seven times. That that game against the Rockets when James Harden was actually on the bench. On the bench, and, and we scored with, was on the uh, bench. When Josh came back with Josh Smith, come on, man, Josh Corey Smith, Corbett, Jason, yeah, uh, those Gary, dudes ripped Gary, them apart. Gary. Come on, but man. don't forget, I told you, don't forget. Before that, before that, they blew us out two consecutive times at home. They blew us out. And we won, we won. Matter of fact, we won game two. We won game two. They blew us out two consecutive times at home. But remember, the uh the start of that, they gave up game five. They gave away game five, thinking they were gonna come home and automatic win the series. Now James Harden was terrible in the game. We had old Jason Terry on the floor. We had uh Josh Smith, who all of a sudden was a, a horrific three-point shooter and he couldn't could, could miss in that game. Corey Brewer, we had Dwight Howard on the court. You can't get outscored by all those guys. You can't get outscored. In the end game seven, we blew the doors up off of them. That's clearly Doc Rivers for not 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 adjusting. That's clearly on Doc Rivers. Ain't no way in the world you let that game six get out of hand like that and let the role players beat you. Ain't no way in the world you got out of hand like that. Now, the only – Oh, the series you could give him a pass on was that Orlando, that Orlando team with Tracy McGrady though. Tracy McGrady though. I mean, I think the Pistons were that much, they were better. Tracy McGrady had had uh the throughout the first, I believe the first three or four games, he was really good. But then again, after when he comes out and said we won, he thought they won the series, the Pistons turned it on right there. And Orlando Magic wasn't really outside of Tracy McGrady, they weren't really good. They weren't really good My at of all time from any movie. Is in remember the Titans. Yep. Attitude reflects leadership. Captain. Just yep. change captain to Doc. Attitude reflects leadership, Doc. <laughs> Listen, I'm just saying he's blown that many leads. It's not yep. Yep. four different places. It's not yep. like it's an accident at this point. Like, let's yep. not pretend that he, he's not the common denominator. Yep. Because he is. He is. He has. He has blown that. He has blown that many leads, man. He has blown that many leads. He has blown that many leads, and he's he's the epitome of blowing uh three one leads. So the uh very uh last topic right here we has can the Warriors win without Draymond Green? We'll start with you, Gene. Uh, yes, they can, uh, but they can't win without without Draymond Green without replacing him. So I don't think they're going to win. Let me just be okay. clear. But for you to tell me, can they win? Yeah, they can win. You have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Gary Payton, uh, Jordan Poole. I just think that they won't win. I think there's too much parity in the NBA. I think Draymond Green is the perfect glue guy for Steph and Clay. I really believe that. Andrew Wiggins needs to come back down to form. I know he was dealing with some real serious stuff at the end of the year. I understand that. But to say they can't win is unfair. I think Draymond Green finds a way back there. I feel like that 
Draymond Green will go test his value and realize that he's not worth the amount of money to another franchise that he's worth to Golden State. I think the difference in a discount and staying with Golden State versus being with a different team for a little bit more money won't be worth it. Like if you're Draymond Green, like why do you want to go to Oklahoma City for seven more million dollars total? Does it make sense, right? Like I think Draymond Green is worth as much to the Warriors as the Warriors need Draymond Green. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Mo? They can win without him, but like like Gene said, you have to be able to replace him. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be a superstar, but it has to be somebody who can kind of do a lot of the things that he does. Or maybe you go a completely different way. Maybe say, for instance, Draymond's gone and they bring in Siakam and they play they place Siakam at center or something to that effect. They can still win. I just don't know if we're talking bigger picture, are they going to win a title? And I agree. I don't think Draymond holds the same value every team he goes to. Fit matters. He is the perfect place. His his NBA home with Golden State is his perfect NBA home. Steph and Clay allow him to be who he is on that team. He can go games without scoring five or more points, and they can win games because he can be the defensive player he is, the facilitator he is. What, what we don't talk about often is Draymond Green's probably the best screener in basketball, and that does impact offense. He finds a way to make teams think he's an offensive threat when he's not an offensive threat. How many times have I seen Draymond set a pick, roll out to the corner, and teams close out on him? Why would you ever close out on Draymond Green on a three? But it happens time and time again. Super high basketball IQ. I still think as a glue glue guy, he can play at a high level for Golden State. But can they win without him? Sure. I don't think Draymond's going anywhere. He might hit the open market and find out the hard way. The league sees him as a guy that's maybe overvalued overall when he's not with Clay, when he's not with Steve Kerr, Steph, Wiggins, and that crew. So I think Draymond Green is going to remain with the Warriors. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I got uh, one more for Gene. Before we go, I, I got a question too. Go, I want to ask. Go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. After you, you go okay, in there. Okay. So what we did yesterday, we did our top five contenders out of all the basketball going into twenty twenty four. Okay. I want to know your top five contenders going into twenty twenty four next year. I, I love that you asked that question. I talked about this last time. On water, water. I think I, I'm not going to put them in order, and then I'll, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Any any top five. Any so five. I think Boston is will be a top five contender in the NBA. I think Denver. You have to put them there. I think that the Phoenix Suns, there's no way they're not going to replace Chris Paul. They have a max slot open. I think they trade DeAndre Ayton and they build around Booker and Durant. And that's not a bad two combo to build around, especially with a new new coach and new culture. Um, so I, I think that it's the Nuggets. And because I really believe that Dame is going to Miami, I think Miami is one of those teams. So I go Miami, Boston, Denver, Golden State, Denver, Phoenix, and Golden State. They're my five. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But the one question I wanted to ask you guys is, did anybody see Dwayne Wade's interview when he was talking about Eric Spolscher and the conversation that's been brought up about LeBron James uh, going into Pat Riley's office and demanding that Eric Spolscher get fired and 
Dwayne Wade actually had comments on this. Did you guys see this yet? No, I haven't seen it yet. A really good video. So Dwayne Wade recently said that when when Eric Spolscher first started coaching, he was awful. He was terrible. He goes, he was a great guy. He worked hard. He worked harder than anybody in the building. So that was a guy he was willing to ride with. But what he said was, he said he was an awful at calling timeouts, uh, calling plays off the timeout. And he said he was in the he said he was in the room when LeBron James went in there and he agreed with LeBron James that he needed to, they needed to fire expulsion. And Pat Riley threw him threw LeBron out of the room. Uh, I'm serious. He, I love Pat is, Riley. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's a great interview. I'm serious. You should look it up afterwards. <laughs> but um, Eric, Pat Riley had all the confidence in the world in their expulsion before anyone else did and they wanted to get him fired and that just proves to me what i've been saying for years lebron james is a terrible visionary he's a (laughs) terrible general manager i I believe that like i think he's ruined a lot of franchises by the deals that he's made like if you think of what he would have done if he would have just let those young pieces build around him in every atmosphere that they were at he didn't try playing GM and he didn't look for the, the veteran talent. I just, I feel like that he's done that a lot in a lot of different places and it's cost him. Yes. He's got four rings, but I felt like that him playing G I feel like he's just as bad of a GM as Jordan is. Oh, yeah. Wow. I really believe that. Wow. Yeah, 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 I would believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I would believe it. I would, that's, I would believe that's, it. that's fire, G. Yeah, yeah. I, don't believe, I, I believe it. I believe it. I, yeah. I know one thing. By getting the quick fix, he's left a lot of franchise barren for years by getting the quick fix. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, like I say, G, I'm glad you brought that up because that also shows you, hey, when you come to Miami, hey, Pat Riley got to say so. Not every supposed Pat Riley. You got to deal with the Pat. You got to deal with that Pat Riley part. Pat Riley right there. So give credit to Pat Riley from you know that. trusting his judgment. And like I say, that's that's Miami Heat culture. He sets the standard of Miami Heat culture right there. Pat, if Pat Riley believes in you. Hey, then then hey, that that gives you a lot to go work on if he believes. I love in Pat you. Riley. Look, yeah. his rant yeah. after they lost the championship to the Spurs when he went in there in that press conference. That I've watched that. More times than I can count. Pat Riley is that guy. I mean, yeah. I know Knicks fans hate him, but they hate him because he left. If he, was, if he had stayed there, they still love him. Um, Pat Riley, look, I'm as a Laker fan, I, he, he is still my favorite guy as a Laker fan. I just, I love everything I about Pat Riley. The Miami Heat organization did with Chris Bosh, and you, you've seen it in Chris Bosh's retirement speech. Uh, I think it was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. They could have brought him back, they could have. You know, but he had blood clots. He's like, man, listen, I don't care what happens. I can't jeopardize your health and your life. So I will not bring, we will not bring you back. Chris Bosh was fighting to get back and they wouldn't allow him. And Pat Riley, did you see Chris Bosh's Hall of Fame speech where he said, where he had the the ring, he gave the ring back to Pat Riley that Pat Riley gave him on the recruiting trip? Yeah. Did you guys see that? It's one of the greatest things ever. Pat Riley had, was when he was recruiting Bosch and Wade or Bosch and LeBron to go to Miami. Miami. Yeah. He's like, here, here's my ring. Here's you can, you can have this one. Give it back to me when you win your own here. And Chris Bosch as gave it back to him, gave his finally gave his ring back because he won two in Miami. Yep. It's 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 an awesome thing to see that to see um 
And, you know, it's funny. It's the only place where LeBron's won two rings was with Pat Riley. Kyle says it perfect. Riley's the first and only guy to not let LeBron run the show and look at the sustained success they had. Facts. Yep. Yep. He lied about that. So shout out to everybody that came through the chat. It was definitely a fun show. I wish Freddie was on this. I wish Freddie was on this goddamn show so Gene can put him in check a little bit. But other than that, I always go to the Lakers now. I don't understand. <laughs> That's what he be saying. Right <laughs> yeah, I got nothing to say to that. Man. <laughs> so, yeah, man, <laughs> shout out to everybody. Uh, G, tell the people to get Molly in. Uh, listen, man, this is my last official show before I, I move out. I have my little studio set up, I'll be doing a lot more lives. Uh, watch parties and things of that nature. But Wire to Wire Wednesday nights has been growing and growing exponentially. And I cannot thank you guys enough for everything you guys have done. Support the show. It's Wire to Wire Wednesday nights. Uh, cheap seats Monday nights. And we are not too far away from pregame and pigskin, which was one of the most successful shows on the network. That's coming back soon. Pregame and pigskin Thursday nights with my man Kyle Edwards and the Godfrey. Um, but I appreciate uh, you guys having me on this morning. It's giving me a nice hour break from from boxing things up. I'm oh, moving. Man, I know the stress Saturday. Yep. Yeah, uh, thank you guys. You you welcome anytime, anytime. Been a blast, man. That's why I wish we had Freddie on him so you can teach him the game. Uh, but other than him, but I'm telling people to get by yet. You can find me right here on the Empire Sports Empire Network. Um, the podcast is already out for this week. NBA Cypher, check it out when you can. Yeah, man. Y'all already know where to find me at. I ain't hard to find, so ain't no introduction for me. So as a uh, Coach Dante, your boy Gene, your boy Mo, man, we will see you guys in the next one. Thank you, guys.